You're listening to The Big Picture with Edwin Eisentraff on WCPT 820. Okay, we are back. And look, no one has worked harder to shed light on on the corrupting influence of money in politics that I would just described to you before the break. No one has worked smarter to uncover it, to describe it, and to push back against it uh, than the United States Senator from the great state of Rhode Island, Sheldon Whitehouse, who joins me now. Senator, welcome. Thank you, Edwin. Wonderful to be with you. Uh, you wrote a new book. I read it, The Scheme, and I, I, I read it this week. It's a perfect Halloween horror novel, except it's not a novel. It's an indictment. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Look, I, I thank you for for writing it. I've been telling our listeners for a year we have an illegitimate Supreme Court, and I've been telling them that it, uh, that it isn't right to say that we have, you know, our two political pow- pow- parties, excuse me, are polarized. A better description is that one party's been radicalized. But uh, after all, you know, um, the it wasn't until I read your book that. Um, and, and the abrupt changes you saw after Citizens United, that those two ideas connected, that we have one party just being radicalized into the ether um, and that we have a corrupt court. And I didn't understand how they were connected until you described what happened with environmental legislation and others the moment dark money started to flow. Yeah, that was a real uh, tipping point for the country because before the um – Citizens United decision came out when the most you could give was, at least legally, was probably, you know, five or $10,000. There was really no big value to hiding that because lots of people were giving five or $10,000. You weren't a standout and you only had so much influence. Once Citizens United came down and you could now give $5 million, $50 million, now you had every reason in the world to hide it. And when you're giving that kind of money to spend the money that it takes to set up shell corporations or run through donor trust or otherwise hide who you are, suddenly all of that begins to make sense. And a new cottage industry developed of hiding political donor money, um, things like super PACs that didn't even exist beforehand, real monsters on the political landscape appeared, and they're all in the service of people who want to spend millions of dollars to buy influence in politics. Well, and, and that influence has has a real interesting and meaningful impact on people's lives. Tell everybody, because I was so stunned reading it, what remind them what Congress was like before the dark money started. So remind them what was happening on environmental legislation. Well, the biggest thing was uh, climate bills. I got to the Senate in January 2007. Dick Cheney swore me in with an unhappy scowl on his face. <laughs> because I was the, you know, W at the end of the alphabet, and I tipped us to Democratic control, mm-hmm. um, and got to work pretty quickly on climate stuff. And at the time, there were lots of bipartisan bills kicking around. Uh, Graham and Kerry had a bill. Cantwell and Collins had a bill. Um, Senator Warner, the Republican from uh, Virginia, uh, had a bill with Joe Lieberman. And there were constant conversations about how this should go. And that was true in 07, 08, and 09. And then in January of 2010, it was like a heart attack. It happened instantly. And from that moment forward, there was no more bipartisanship. And it happened to coincide perfectly 
with Citizens United and the ability of the fossil fuel industry to deploy not only massive amounts of money, because frankly, it's sort of inefficient to spend that much money. You can ordinarily get a lot of what you want just by threatening or promising to spend money. And then you get to keep the money. It leaves no ripple in the advertising world, but you get what you want. So between the shadow of the spending, the threat and the promise, and the spending itself, Republicans knew that they had to pack it in and uh, become an anti-climate party in order to get fossil fuel money, which they did. And, you know, weirdly, the, there were other areas of broad agreement. There used to be broad agreement on voting rights. I mean, all of it's come crashing down. Um, and, and really, only one party has moved. Yeah, well, voting rights was kind of a trick because, as you'll recall, um, Congress renewed the Voting Rights Act um, with enormous majorities, near, near unanimity in yep. the House and the Senate. So the people who wanted to fight over this knew that they weren't going to do very well in Congress, um, but they had that captured court. And so they went to court, and this guy who's just been in the newspaper recently, this guy Bloom, who um, is now involved in the anti-affirmative action case, so he went and found Shelby County, this county in the South that he recruited as a uh, client for his big money funded litigation firms that wanted to bring the case because they thought they had a Supreme Court that could undo the Voting Rights Act. And sure enough, um, the recently passed, hugely bipartisan, very successful Voting Rights Act was undone by these right-wing Federalist Society justices. So was bipartisan McCain-Feingold, which was about money in politics. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it got so bad. Uh, First of all, in a weird irony, the premise of Citizens United, the legal premise of Citizens United, is that all the unlimited money that they unleashed was going to be transparent. And of course it wasn't. There's been billions of dollars of dark money spent since. But John and I wrote a brief together to the Supreme Court very shortly after the Citizens United decision, a case called Bullock uh, that came out of Montana. And uh, we reported to the court, you know, you guys, you said this money was going to be independent. It isn't. And we gave a lot of evidence about that. And uh, we also said, yes, it was going to be transparent. And it totally isn't, and that's indisputable. The dark money is self-evident. And this case, the Bullock case, gives you the chance, guys, to fix this error in your Citizens United decision, presuming that they didn't want to be wrong. And they ignored uh, John, and they ignored me, and they refused to take up the case, and they let the dark money continue to roll. Yeah, that that sure is not what a legitimate court would do. No, um, you, they you, knew. Uh, they knew when they yeah. were told in bipartisan fashion that they'd made an error, and there was no dispute about it. They knew that they were wrong. They'd been told, and they just turned a blind eye and let the money keep rolling. Senator, it's possible that they did not make a mistake, but they actually intended this result, even if they said it wouldn't be the result. Correct. It could have been a a sort of a decorative sham of legal analysis 
that um, they knew was wrong at the time and that they didn't intend to enforce at the time. I mean, you took everybody told them at the time it was wrong. And then you went back to them with a subsequent case and they walked away. Yeah. Yeah. With John McCain. Right. Who knows more yep. about campaign finance stuff than the legendary John McCain? He and I wrote this brief. And, and um, you know, one thing to ignore the junior senator from the state of Rhode Island is nothing to ignore a bipartisan brief signed by the guy who is the sort of living legend of campaign finance. Yep. It's shocking. So, so you had a chance recently um, to force disclosure, the Disclose Act. The, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, I, I just got to read this to you. This is, this is what they said. The bill's manifest purpose is to impose exceptional burdens on the speech of corporations, the business community, and other interest, interests disfavored by the bill's drafters. Is that the manifest purpose of the Disclose Act? <laughs> you got to love the uh, chamber. Uh, the chamber is actually in the business of writing briefs for members so that the members don't have to put their names on the brief and be associated with the, They're the glove for a lot of dirty hands. Mm-hmm. So they're a very self-interested party in doing all of this. And what they overlook is that if you go back and if you read the Constitution and if you read the Bill of Rights, And if you read the Federalist Papers, and if you read the constitutional debates, nowhere in any of that do you find any role that was contemplated for corporations to be involved in our politics. That is a theory that was concocted by Republican-appointed justices, beginning with Justice Powell, and has been developed further and further by them ever since, to the point where now it is a dark-money, multi- billion dollar free-for-all we just hit a billion dollars spent on behalf of republican senate candidates in this election now what do you think for that billion everybody a billion not a million a billion yeah yeah Yeah. well i think they want the end of our democracy is what i think they want but um well they certainly want to control regulations so that they don't have to be regulated they certainly want to continue to pollute for free because that's big big business for the oil industry they certainly want to be able to run scams more effectively without uh, being hauled into court. And the Supreme Court um, does all that. Yeah. And, and the purpose of the Disclose Act, just so everybody knows, was just this. Tell people where the money comes from. But on the yeah. right, they said, oh, no, that will make donors targets. Right. And they and they pull up a case about the NAACP where. Um, protecting people a long time ago. It's a very different situation. Yeah, if you can't tell the difference between an ordinary member of the NAACP trying to avoid being harassed and perhaps even murdered in the Jim Crow South in the 1960s and before, if you can't tell the difference between that and a secretive right-wing billionaire trying to manipulate American democracy through a bunch of phony front groups that they've stood up, you really have no sense of uh, political reality and no sense of proportion. And yet that's the uh, device that the Supreme Court has used to begin, shouldn't say the Supreme Court, the Republican appointees have used to begin to set up a constitutional right to dark money. Yeah. You're, you're, 
colleague, the absolutely horrid senator from Wisconsin, Ron Johnson, um, is campaigning to fire all the newly hired IRS agents. And I thought that was a way to protect wealthy donors since, after all, those of us whose taxes come from payroll deductions, this is not an audit issue, right? It's the complicated guys with lots of money. But I had an aha moment reading your chapter on super PACs, 501Cs, and corporate shareholders. Do you think he's smart enough and the, and the schemers you talked about are actually concerned that the IRS agents are going to hold some of these, these fake uh, 501C4s accountable and say, look, you're here just to do politics. You don't get to have this ben- tax benefit. Uh, absolutely. Um, the history of this is that immediately after Citizens United, if you wanted to figure out how to get involved in politics, the best way to do it was through a group organized under a part of the Internal Revenue Code called Section 501C4, which groups were allowed to do two wonderful things from their perspective. One, they could spend money directly in politics, up to 50% of their revenue. And two, they did not have to disclose their donors. So in effect, big sneaky donors could pay a 50% tax to be anonymous. And when money's no object, that's no big deal. Plus, it didn't take long to figure out that if you set up a handful of these little groups, they just passed the money along to each other. And 50 became 75, became, you know, 92, became 99. You know, pretty soon all the money's going into ads as you launder it through your little pool of these groups. So they really didn't want the IRS looking at this. When the IRS did, they exploded. They threatened to impeach the IRS commissioner. They threatened the staff person who ran this to insert her to the Department of Justice. He was a criminal. Um, And they kept the pressure on so that from then on, the IRS has treated the uh, um, pass-through of political money anonymously as kryptonite, something they don't dare touch because they know it'll set off a huge reaction. And sadly, Democrats have been pretty gutless about having the IRS's back and explaining to the public what's really going on here. Yeah, I mean, I, I lost you a little. It was hard to hear a little bit of your answer. I don't know what happened, but the we lost the signal just a little bit during that. But the truth is the IRS, these new IRS agents are not targeting ordinary Americans, right? Notwithstanding what Ron Johnson says, they're actually looking to enforce the laws on corrupt money. Correct. Yeah, where ordinary Americans intersect with the IRS is usually through tax refunds. So you want more IRS agents to be able to get your refund back to you correctly because you paid your taxes with your payroll. It's people right. you who want the refund funds, it's people who are uh, owners of, of businesses um, who figured out tax scams to run their money through foreign countries. Those are the people that need the attention and fear the attention. Uh, uh, I want to ask you while while we're on this topic, do you have you know a good chunk of the signal and the, and the listeners to our show are in Wisconsin, even though I'm, I'm in Chicago. Do you have anything you want to say to the people of Wisconsin about their good Senator Ron Johnson, who is tied at the moment? I would say this. Um, If you think that candidates for the Senate (laughs) 
who are being washed into office on a tide of a billion dollars in dark money are going to listen to you at the end of the day and not to whoever was behind that billion dollar tide of dark money, you're being played for a sucker. So we've got to learn to look behind the smeary ads and all of the efforts to, you know, hyper politicize and uh, divide the country and figure out who is pulling the strings. And if you're being asked to vote for Ron Johnson, you're being asked to vote for Ron Johnson by a group that has spent a billion dollars to put Republicans in charge of the Senate. And that, you ought to, unless you're one of the people behind that, then you're being played. You're not going to be at the table. They're not going to be looking out for you. And you need to wake up and understand that you're being played for a chump by these big uh, wheeler dealers. Thank you for that. I couldn't agree more. Hey, um, we need to take a, a quick break. And when, when we come back, I want to talk to you about the Powell memo, because I think people really sure. need to understand what got set off. I'm talking to uh, United States Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. We'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Big Picture with Edwin Eisendraft on WCPT 820. 